Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out my wife's business, Ashira Clip. She is a Lila Rose independent stylist. And on her site, she offers a wide variety of different hair clips, hairpins, and headbands that are all very stylish and suit a wide variety of different tastes. Plus, they come in different sizes to fit different hair types. They make great little gifts, and you can check them out at lilarose.biz, L-I-L-L-A rose.biz slash Ashira, A-S-H-I-R-A. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Mystery is My Hobby. And the title is John Crane Murdered. Mystery is my hobby. Bart, go ahead and laugh. So I didn't recognize your voice over the telephone. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not laughing. And what's that noise you're making? You're going to lay an egg or something? <laughs> I'm sorry, Inspector. What burns me up is that this Albert Evans calls you instead of the police when he finds the body of John Crane. Fine thing. Well, let's not be too hard on Evans, Inspector. He has the reputation of his hotel to think about, you <laughs> know. When a murder's been committed, nobody's got any murder? right... Murder? What makes you think that John Crane was murdered, Inspector? Now, look, Bart, I'll admit that Crane was a crackpot. He had plenty of dough, and he lived like a hermit. But he wouldn't be screwy enough to kill himself by climbing into a trunk and then jiggling the thing into the lake. I must confess, it's rather a unique way of committing suicide. And besides, Crane died of a knife wound. What? How do you know that? Because I called up the doc at Chatsworth and asked him to examine the body. He found that a knife had penetrated the body just above the heart. Inspector, you did that after I took you into my confidence and phoned yeah, you. Yeah, and... you're darn right I did. I'm sick and tired of playing the dumb cop. so you won't talk because if your name is connected with John Crane's murder, your hotel gets a bad reputation. So we close up the hotel until we catch the murderer. How's that? Oh, dear me, Inspector Dan. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, eh? I'll even print your picture in the paper and tell the world that the trunk Crane's body was found in came from this hotel. Oh, dear me, dear me. That would be dreadful. It would ruin me completely. Then stop being a cluck and talk. Mm, very well. What do you want to know? Who found the trunk with a body in it? You Crane did. He's John's brother. Brother, eh? Where is he now? Oh, I don't know. He's around somewhere, I suppose, making himself obnoxious. <laughs> what a man. He can't be any worse than some of the other characters I've met up here. Okay. So, Hugh Cross, John's brother, found the body. Then what? Well, then nothing. Uh, what do you mean, then nothing? That's all I know. Hugh Crane told me he'd found the body, and I called Barton Drake. Yeah, Drake, why didn't you call the police? Because if I did, they'd come up here and start bullying my guests, just the way you've been doing ever since you arrived. Oh, is that so? Yes. 
Well, you listen to me, you little sawed-off cream puff. Hello, Inspector. Have you found out anything? Oh, hello, Bart. And who's this gentleman? This inspector is Hugh Crane, brother of the dead man. Well, 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 if it isn't good old Inspector Danton. How are you, Inspector, you old bloodhound? Mister, you hit me on the back like that again, and you'll find out how I am mighty quick. Ho, ho, ho. Can't take it, eh, Inspector? (laughs) Come, come, old man. Let's not get off on the wrong foot. We've got a lot of work to do together. Yeah, what kind of work? What kind? <laughs> Listen to him, Drake. What kind of work he wants to know. Why, Inspector, you're a cub. I told you, he was an obnoxious person. Now, listen, shrimp, pipe down or I'll twist your little nose into the shape of a pretzel. Say, he's a real tough character, isn't he? Mm. Where'd you pick him up, Bart? I didn't. He picked me up. Tell the Inspector all about yourself, Crane. I'm sure he's in the mood for that. Glad to, Drake. Glad to. Inspector, you doing anything for the next couple of hours? Look... I can see everyone's having a good time at the poor old inspector's expense. That's all very nice, but the only thing I want to know is who murdered John Crane and why. Now there, Inspector, that's what I call getting at the hub of the thing. I'm glad you asked that question because I know the answer. You know the... All right, who did it? Why, Shrimp here, Albert Evans, proprietor of the exclusive Chatsworth Hotel. Why, you... That's a lie. How dare you accuse me of such a thing? Because you've got a motive, Shrimp. And a good one. John owed you money. Bought all the supplies here. You went down to his cabin to collect, got into a fight. Nice. Of all the outlandish folks. I never in my life tried to collect money from John Crane. I didn't even tell anyone he owed me anything. There you I... see. He admits that John owed him money. <laughs> Don't try to get out of it, Evans. I'm too sharp for you. You're nothing but a loud-talking, obnoxious windbag. Now, now, Evans. Just because you're going to the electric chair doesn't mean you should get sore. Oh, no. Sometimes I think I should have been a detective. It's such nice, easy work. Now, think of that. Crane, perhaps now that you've had your say, you'd better let Inspector Danton take over. Sure, sure thing. Help yourself, Inspector. Glad that I could solve the case for you. Well, now, Mr. Crane, that's mighty decent of you. As soon as we get the little fella here locked up, I'll... You can't lock me up. You can't. I didn't do it. Just because this big lummox said I did doesn't prove... Take it easy, Bob. No one's going to lock you up yet. But you just said... The inspector was being sarcastic, Evans. It's a habit he has. You see, uh, he was a little bit out of sorts because you didn't call him instead of me. You bet your life I am. It's things like that that makes a cop wonder why he's in the business. Well, that's all right. But if you think that I murdered... The inspector doesn't think that you murdered John Crane, Evans. As a matter of fact, we're both convinced that you couldn't have. Oh, now look here, Drake. I've already explained why I'm sure that Evans killed my brother. Being next of kin, I demand you arrest Evans. And being the cop on this deal, I demand that you stop talking, Crane. Bob, explain to this loudmouth why Evans couldn't have done it. Glad to, Inspector. John Crane weighed a good 200 pounds. The trunk he was found in weighed at least uh, 25. Our friend Evans weighs about uh, 110. It would have been impossible for him to lift your brother's body into the trunk and then carry the trunk down to the lake. You see what I mean, Blabbermouth? Bart and I had that one figured out an hour ago, didn't we, Bart? You bet we did, Inspector. Come on, let's uh, take a look at that corpse. guy, wasn't he? Yes, but of course you knew that, Inspector, when we figured out that Evans was too small to carry him, uh, remember? What? Oh, oh yeah, 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 sure. 
Uh, what stumps me is, uh, who would want to murder a guy who lived all by himself? Mm, anyone who wanted money badly enough and who figured the crane had them hidden away in his cabin? Yeah, I suppose you're right. See, the water sure did a job on the corpse, didn't it? Yeah. Dr. Mason estimates the body must have been submerged about a month. A month, eh? Mm. It was a month ago that Crane disappeared, wasn't it? Yeah, no one thought much about it at the time. Crane always lived by himself in the cabin down by the lake. He came up to the hotel once every two weeks to get supplies. Evans got curious when he didn't show up and went down to investigate. Yeah. Say, here's something. Huh? If the body is decomposed by water to such an extent that it is not recognizable... How is everyone so sure that it is Crane? His brother, Hugh, the loud-talking gentleman, identified him by a ring he wore and a birthmark on his back. And his wife also identified him. Wife? Yes, they were divorced, but when she heard that Crane had disappeared, she came up to help in the hunt. Decided she loved him after he was dead, eh? No, Crane had a reputation for being a miser, and Mrs. Crane probably reasoned he might have some money lying around. I get it. Say is that why Brother Hugh is here, too? Uh, that isn't likely. Hugh has more money than he can spend. I'm convinced his only purpose in coming up here is to help locate John's murderer. And I wish he'd do his locating away from me. <laughs> By the way, where did Hugh find the trunk? In a cove not far from here. He was walking along the shore and saw it floating on the surface when... By Jove, Inspector. What's the matter? I just thought of something. Huh? Yes, I am right. I'm sure I am. Inspector, let's get down to the cabin where John Crane lived at once. Well, that must be the cabin, Inspector. You can just see it there through the trees. Yeah. Not much more than a shack. I guess Crane was a miser, all right. Inspector. What's the matter? There's someone in the cabin. I saw a movement behind one of those curtains. Yeah? Yeah, and, and I can hear voices, too. Let's get up closer so we can hear what they're saying. I crouched down, Inspector. You're a fool to come up to me. I told you once it was all over between us, and I haven't changed my mind. This can't mean that, Daphne. You said that only because of John that, that you... That's when John was alive. He's dead now, and I'm free. And, and you didn't mean it when you said you loved me? Mean it? Oh, Nate, you're so naive, really. Of course I didn't mean it. Oh, you were fun. You amused me no end, but what's the loving... Stop it! How can you be so cruel? Daphne, in heaven's name, be human. You've, you've got to marry me. I, I can't live without you. Can't live without me? <laughs> Darling, you're so old-fashioned, really. Stop it! You might as well know it now, Nate. I'm going to marry you. You're going to marry you? Yes, she asked me this morning, and I accepted it. But you don't love you. <laughs> Did I say anything about love? You was one of the richest men in the state. You're a human. You don't deserve anyone's love, and I'm going Nate, to... Stop. Let go of me. I'll show you. No one's going to have you but me. Nate, please. Come on, Inspector. Go! Oh. Oh. Grab him! Yeah. All right, Bob. Take it easy. Take your hands off me. Let me alone. Now, now, now. It isn't polite to choke ladies. She's no lady. Hey, I quite agree with you there, Bob. Heaven, someone arrived in time. I presume that you are Mrs. John Crane? Yes, I am. I, I was looking over some of my dead husband's personal things, and this, this terrible person came in and attacked me. That's a lie. She asked me to meet her here. Yeah, we know all about that. We were standing outside listening. You were eavesdropping? You heard our conversation? Yeah, every word, lady. So you might as well stop trying to act like a lady, ma'am, and be yourself. Why, you dirty... 
Who are you, anyway? The police, Mrs. Crane. The gentleman holding your erstwhile love is Inspector Noah Denton. I'm Barton Drake. The police? Then... Then... Yeah, then, then. That's the best answer you can think up, ma'am. Okay, Flatfoot. What do you want of me? Plenty. What's all this business about you and your dear, dead, departed husband? You and he were divorced. Were we? That's where you're wrong. John wanted me to give him a divorce, but I refused. So he came up here and lived like a hermit. The fool. Well, well, so now he got all kinds of motives. What do you mean, all kinds of motives? If you think I had a... Tut, 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 Ah, wait till you're accused before you start thinking about buys, ma'am. I'm only saying that a babe who wanted a divorce from her husband so she could marry the guy's rich brother has a motive for murder, that's all. That's ridiculous. I've told you that it was I who wouldn't give John a divorce. You're lying, Daphne. You've been begging John for a divorce for years so that you could marry me. You see what I mean, Bart? Motives. They're flying at us so thick and fast we got to hire us a shorthand artist to take them down. Yes, I see what you mean, Inspector. You're thinking that perhaps Nate decided there were other means of getting rid of a husband... So Mrs. Crane could marry him. Sure, that's That's it. not true. It's not true, I tell you. I hated Crane, but not enough to murder him. So that's it. That's what you meant, Nate Hobart, when you said it wouldn't matter how we got rid of John, so long as he was no longer around. Oh, how foolish I was not to have guessed at the fiendish thoughts in your mind. Daphne, what are you saying? You're, you're making that up. You're trying to pin John's murder onto me because of what I might tell you. What a fool I've been. If I'd only known there was murder in your heart. Out of your mind. No one would believe such an absurd story. There isn't a shred of evidence. Oh, that you two are breaking my heart. Any minute now, I'm going to bust out weeping. Oh, Bart, you're under arrest. You can't arrest me. I didn't do it. I won't let you arrest. Stop him. He's getting away. Why didn't you stop him? You deliberately let him escape. Yeah, that's right. We let him escape. Why? She wants to know why, Bart. Shall I tell her? No, no, not yet, Inspector. The pieces of the puzzle are beginning to fall neatly into place. We still have one more person to question before we can begin to speculate on the identity of John Crane's murderer. Now, uh, look, Bart, I got your signal back there at the cabin... And I let Nate Hobart escape, but I still don't see the reason for it. Well, Hobart can be more help to us free than if we held him prisoner, Inspector. Why? Because he's still in love with Mrs. John Crane, for one thing. Yeah, how's that going to help us? And for another, he's not the murderer of John Crane. Now, wait a minute. Hmm? He's got a motive, and the girl said he made threats. The girl was lying. Here's your impel, Inspector. Let's go in. So, uh, what do we do now? We have another talk with Albert Evans, the hotel proprietor. Uh, in uh, case I didn't mention it before, Mr. Evans not only knows who murdered John Crane, but he holds the key to the entire mystery. What mystery? All we got to do is catch Crane's murderer. That takes care of all the mystery. Does it? I think we're going to find that apprehending the murderer is only a prelude to the real mystery, Inspector. Well, Evans isn't behind his desk. I wonder where he is. Probably taking his midday nap. I'll ring the bell. No soap. Well, he can't be far away. Listen. It's Evans, covered with blood. Looks like someone knifed him and then threw him down the stairs. Go after him, Inspector. I'll take care of Evans. Thank you.
Well, Inspector? Whoever it was got away. How about Evans? Dead. A knife through the heart. Then that means... Yes, that means whoever murdered John Crane also murdered Evans. Because the murderer knew that Evans was aware of his identity. Well, well, well. If it isn't old Inspector Gumshoe, it... Say, what's happened? What's it look like, loudmouth? That's Evans. His blood, he's been stabbed. That's right, Mr. Crane. Stabbed through the heart. In exactly the same manner that your brother was stabbed. By George, this is a job for the police. He's catching on, Bob. Now life is worthwhile. But look here, why would anyone want to murder the shrimp? Because the shrimp, as you call him, Mr. Crane, knew who murdered your brother. You don't say. Yes. Mr. Crane, I'd like you to join the inspector and me at your brother's cabin in an hour. At the cabin? Yes. Yes, of course. Glad to do anything you ask, but couldn't you make Conduct it... Conduct my investigation here? No, Mr. Crane, I couldn't. The answer to the mystery lies in the cabin. Your sister-in-law will be there, and unless I'm greatly mistaken, your rival, Nate Hobart. I think you'll find a most interesting gathering. Isn't this the coziest little party? Mountain cabin, excellent company, and, uh, by the way, Hobart, you were smart to give yourself up. I'm not giving myself up. I came back to prove that it wasn't I who murdered Don Crane. You fool. Why didn't you stay away while you had the chance? Because then everyone would have thought me guilty. And that's what you wanted, Dad. Oh, really, Nate? Must you be dramatic? Returning here to the cabin was the smartest thing you've done, Hobart. The kid couldn't be smart if he tried. Oh, is that so, Crane? Ever since you made your pile and retired, you... Okay, okay. Pipe down, you two. We didn't come here to listen to you birds throwing insults at each other. Well, what are we here for? Do you object to being in this cabin, Mrs. Crane? Oh, of course I do. This is where poor John was murdered. I, I hate the place. I should think you might. Crane, what are you doing over there at that cupboard? Getting myself a drink. We've got to stay here and play cops and robbers. We might as well enjoy ourselves. Thanks, darling. No, thanks. You know I don't like scotch. Well, that's all there is. Here's looking at you, gumshoe. Mr. Crane, at the time your brother was reported missing, did you come up here to Chatsworth immediately? No, I waited a couple of weeks. Wanted to make sure he hadn't just wandered off for a while like he'd done before. Not many people knew it, but John was a little odd. He must have been to marry a babe like you. Oh, I think you're positively insulting. Well, I gotta live up to my reputation. Everyone thinks that... Cops are roughneck. Another crack like that, Gumshoe, and I'll take a hand. That's what I'm hoping for. All I want uh, is an excuse. Mr. Crane, huh? is it true that when your father died, he left you practically his entire fortune and omitted your brother John's name from his will? Where did you get that information? I've done some telephoning with him the past hour. Your father objected to John's marrying Daphne because she was a chorus girl. When Daphne learned that her husband was to receive nothing, she left him. And that's why Johnny decided to... Come up here and become a hunter. Yes. I don't see that's any business of yours. Yes, what's all this about? I'll explain in a minute. Mr. Crane, while you were up here conducting your search for your missing brother, did you live here at this cabin? In this dump? <laughs> I should say not. I stayed at the hotel. Then this is the first visit to the cabin. Inside the cabin, I mean. Yes. Now, what's all this about, Drake? I don't like the tone of your voice. I was just wondering how you knew where your brother John kept his scotch. He walked directly to the proper cabinet and found it. Why, I, that is, I... Oh, this is silly. I told him where it was. I found it this morning. Um, 
while you were uh, looking over your dear, dead, departed husband's personal things? And I was wondering, Mr. Crane, how you knew that your brother John owed Albert Evans a sum of money for supplies he'd bought. This morning, you gave that as an excuse for Evans murdering John. This is nonsense. Why shouldn't I know? Evans told me. On the contrary, Evans stated definitely that he told no one that John owed him money. Yeah, that's right. He didn't want his guests to know about it. What are you getting at, Drake? Are you accusing me of murdering John Crane? No, Mr. Crane. John Crane isn't even dead. What? Not dead? What? Not John Crane's body, Mrs. Crane. It wasn't John Crane's body that was in that trunk. And whose was it? It was the body of Hugh Crane. This man here who claims to be Hugh Crane is John. Drake, you're too smart for your britches. You haven't got a chance of proving that. Oh, yes, I have. You and your brother Hugh look enough alike to be twins. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Uh, What? Are you saying... I'm saying, Inspector, that when the elder Crane died, John came up here and lived like a hermit. So people would forget any particular trait he might have had. Oh, this is utter nonsense. No, it isn't. You and John did look alike. Why, you're crazy, Nate Hobart. You never saw them together more than once or twice. And that was ten years ago. I remember that they looked alike. They were the same size, too. Go on, Bart. John spent those ten years trying to make himself as much like you as possible. He practiced his gestures and his lustering voice and his handwriting. Uh, that was so he could sign checks, eh? Yes. John and Daphne wanted the money they felt they'd been cheated out of. They inveigled Hugh up here, murdered him, placed his body in the trunk and submerged the trunk in the lake so his features would be decomposed to a point of being unrecognizable. I get it. Then John, pretending to be Hugh, meant to go back and pick things up where Hugh left off. He and the girl here would be married a second time... And everything would be rosy. That's it, Inspector. But unfortunately, John made one fatal mistake. Look out, Inspector. He's going to throw that bottle. Hit him, John. Put down that bottle or I'll... Duck, Inspector. Oh. That'll take care of you, gumshoe. Get the Inspector right between the eyes. He's heading for the door. Grab him, Hobart. Knock it. Waiting for this chance. Nice work, Hobart. I learned that one when I played football in college. Another minute and it would have been too late. Crane had a knife in his hand, the same knife with which he murdered his brother and Albert Evans. Well, how's the head, Inspector? Okay. That guy was pretty good at throwing bottles. Yes, and knives, too. I imagine that was another thing he practiced while pretending to live as a hermit. Ah, well, it's the first time a bottle of scotch ever went to my head. Say, I still don't see why Crane knocked off Evans. Because Evans was the only man who saw John Crane while he was a hermit. Evans suspected that Hugh was John. Then uh, why didn't he call the cops? But he did. Oh, I beg your pardon, Inspector. Evans called me. Yeah, I remember now, if he... And, of course, when John realized what Evans had done, he murdered him. Okay. Now, what was the one fatal mistake that Crane made? Both John and Daphne wanted to be sure that when the body was finally discovered, it would be decomposed to a point where no one would recognize it. So, John decided to discover the body himself. So he discovered the body himself? Yes. 
But when he told how it happened, he said the trunk was floating. Nothing wrong with that? Plenty, Inspector. If enough water had entered that trunk to decompose the body, it couldn't have been floating. It would have sunk. Well, now, think of that. Now, wait, wait. I know how you figured it out. You got a hobby. Yes, Inspector. Mystery is my hobby. Welcome back. Well, a nice mystery. It was funny having Gerald Moore in this and comment on how easy it was to be a detective, and maybe he should become a detective. Of course, Gerald Moore is best known for his role in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. He also played two other detective roles over radio. One was playing the role of the lone wolf, a.k.a. Michael Lanyard, over radio. Unfortunately, there are no episodes with Moore as the Lone Wolf surviving. However, there is a series called The Adventures of Bill Lance, where we've got three surviving episodes, and we're going to play that for you in a few months. Now let's get to listener comments and feedback. And we've got an email here from Darlene. And she writes, Inspector Noah Den is a cheapskate. And I should say this is regarding uh, the Radio Comedians episode, 3366. He indignantly tells Barton Drake that he got free tickets to a broadcast. Uh, so did everybody. Per the FCC, since the airwaves belong to the public, any program created solely for broadcast must provide free tickets to the broadcast to the entire audience. The only exception is an event like the Emmys for which tickets are normally sold, in which case the event itself is the primary focus and the broadcast, however anticipated, is actually secondary. How do I know this? I worked in television for 40 years with FCC compliance as a big part of my job and spent many years as a member of the Television Academy's Board of Governors. I have a huge backlog of great detectives podcasts and enjoy every single one. Keep up the good work and love to your family. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your note, Darlene. And it's a nice bit of information to know uh, because I've always been a little curious when I've heard TV shows uh, advertise free tickets. And it really must have been a treat back in the, the era where you had these live uh, comedians and singers as well as the occasional audio drama like The Man Called X or the Lux Radio Theater that you get to go in and watch these really talented people work at no cost. Now, of course, these days, probably the main uh, places where you'll have these sort of live tickets will be game shows or talk shows. Most of the comedy programs in the golden age of radio did tend to have these live audiences, particularly the ones where it was comedian-centric, who did quite a bit of stand-up. They clearly fed off their audience. And it's always a little weird when you'll hear some of these comics, you know, just recording something where there's 
no audience. Uh, for them, there's a completely different energy. Now, you did, of course, have some shows that didn't have audiences, uh, like uh, Amos and Amdi and Lum and Abner. The thought on those was that they were going to go ahead and play to the audience at home. That was really their audience. That was who they wanted to be playing their jokes to. And sometimes the live audience would give so much energy and be right there in front of the comedian that they would give stuff to the live audience that the people at home just could not see. And sometimes uh, networks would schedule things on old-time radio programs like dance numbers. And I'm like, okay, how is this supposed to work? Are we supposed to imagine how uh, great this person's dancing is, because we cannot see it. And the same thing with uh, they would uh, they would make a face or they would do something. The audience would crack up and, uh, and the studio audience, and I would just you know I'm just at home going what. So it's a different experience actually listening to this uh, in a studio. So. If you could travel back in time, it would be a fun experience to sit in the audience of a Golden Age radio program. Provided that you've got an outfit that'll work and you're not bothered by smoke. Um, uh, thanks so much again for the email, Darlene. And I want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Gary, Patreon supporter since August 2016, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for the support, Gary. And uh, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And we'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Mystery is My Hobby. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.